Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you will keep 1 verse 12 with me, if you will, and we will get into the study, the message tonight. Um, 1 Timothy 1 12, and then we're going to bounce back and we're going to stay in uh, 1 Corinthians then for most of the, the rest of the message. All right, it's very strange seeing Lorcan in the main service. Hey, Lorcan. Hey, buddy. <laughs> um, he'll probably do more talking than me, so maybe I should have put the pulpit down there. Uh, but listen, glad you're here, glad I'm here. We are going to look at um, some thoughts about being a servant. So let's read First, uh, First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.12. It says this, it says, this is the Apostle Paul, and he says, I thank, uh, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who had enabled me, for he had, uh, that had counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So this is Paul giving an account of what God has done in his life. Turn back over to 1 Corinthians 9, if you will. Um, so we're going to talk about what it means to be a servant. And uh, it's one of those topics that, you know, um, probably gets talked about on a regular basis, but I think it could be talked about more. Um, it's something that I suppose that I've taught about over the, the years, uh, being at New Hope. Um, you know, when we started New Hope, basically we had uh, guys that would come over from America. We had Paul O'Keefe and Joel and then Brian and stuff like that working with us, and then eventually Alan and stuff like that. And in the very early days, you know, we had people, and it was just really all about ministry. It was all about people just being there, serving. There was no... There was no money really involved in it at all. Everything was tight. Um, you know, they barely got the food to eat. Uh, so it was really, it was really tight. But um, as things have increased and people have been, I suppose, employed and stuff at New Hope, it's always been a burden in the back of my mind that New Hope never gets to the place where people that work there, work there. Okay? hope that makes sense. Um, in my head, it makes perfect sense. You see, I think people up at working at New Hope should be serving up at New Hope, not just working. Now, of course, they work and they have contracts and all that kind of stuff, um, but really they are there to serve. And uh, currently, I have six staff and a number of different volunteers, and, uh, and they do a great job, but I never want that job that they do when they go through the gates on a, every morning, I never want that job to be a job for people. Because you can get a better job. To be honest, you can, do, you can get a much better job. Um, if it was a job for me, I, I really wouldn't be there. I'd go and I'd make myself some money, okay? But it's not about a job, okay? It's about a servant. And it's about serving. And, uh, you know, it's not easy to get that balance often and, uh, and keep it. So uh, as a church, even when you are on the, the cleaning schedule at the church, how many of you see the cleaning schedule as ministry? And be honest about it. Kirsty ain't sticking her hand up. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It is. You know what? It is. You know, um, we, need, we, we sometimes, because we do stuff all the time, it's very easy to just go in because that's what we do and it's, a, it's work and it has to get done and it's my turn and all that kind of stuff. And the dread of walking in and seeing your name or seeing Tina's text reminding you that your family's on uh, on the list that day and you've forgotten all about it, which has happened to us many times. Um, we forget that those things are serving and they need to be done. You know, um, a servant's heart. A businessman once, uh, once was asked in a Bible study, 
And he said, how can you tell if, you're a, if you have a servant's attitude? And the answer came back from one of the group. It says, by the way, you react when you're treated like a servant. Okay, so we, we like the idea of being a servant, but somebody treats us like a servant, we don't really like that. You know, most of us are busy. We, you know, we can keep ourselves occupied, probably if we had two lives to live. Uh, we're hard. We work hard. You know, uh, things are busy all the time. And uh, if you're not busy and you're one of the, the, the lazy people, and the Bible talks a lot about lazy people, by the way. I'm not going to name you tonight. Don't worry. You can, sit, uh, you can sit comfortable, okay? It's not one of them services. Um, the men are happy that I'm not going to do that. I wasn't actually thinking about you guys. I was thinking about the other, uh, the other members of the church. Um, but you know what? It's hard work being lazy. You actually dodging work and dodging our responsibilities is, is harder work, I think. You know, for my boys growing up, uh, my kids are going to have to learn how to work. They, they do housework, schoolwork, homework. Actually, they do a lot of work. And I think that's for us all. You know, life is built around work. You know, we are going to have to be busy. You know, in the garden, God made Adam responsible for keeping the garden, for working. And uh, let me tell you, life is all about work. Don't dodge it. Embrace it. And do the best you can at it. You know, um... But we're not just talking about work. We're talking about the life of a servant. And that's a real Christian life. When you are, are where God wants you to be, doing and living the life God wants you to be, you will find that you are involved in service. You are involved in serving God. You know, the servant's life is not the life of a slave or a robot, but it's one that's a willing servant and he'll do uh, for others as ministry and not as punishment. You know, it's not, it's not punishment. When you're asked to serve in the church, it's not for punishment, okay? Um, we can make a punishment if you like, but it's not meant to be punishment. Um, so we're looking at the Apostle Paul. It's kind of going to be about the Apostle Paul's life tonight and, and how he, I suppose, how he looked at what he had to do. And what he had to do wasn't easy. When he got saved, he was going in one direction in life. He had to totally relearn everything that he needed you know, he was the main guy uh, in, in the group he was with, and he was an influential man. And, uh, and he had to go right to the bottom again, uh, and, and God was going to take him all the way down, and then he was going to uh, greatly use him. So when we're looking at, at the Apostle Paul, his life is a wonderful life. Uh, he's thanking God that God put him into the ministry. He's thanking God that God uses him, that God chose to use him. You know... He not only thanked God for the ministry, he thanks God for saving him. He thanks God for using his life. You know, God putting him into the ministry. And God gave the Apostle Paul something of value to do. And I think in life we spend a lot of our lives, and if you were to add up the amount of hours we spend doing stuff that is really of no value. You know, uh, it's just a lot of stuff we do is just of no real value. And I think we could definitely make some time, uh, change plans and make things different uh, to get more involved in ministry. Um, so let me ask you, and this is for everybody in the room, do you have a ministry? So if somebody turned up at a clipboard um, on Sunday, they'd never been here before, didn't know anybody, and before you walked in and doing what you do, uh, they were to take your name and say, okay, can you tell me, what your ministry is, would you have an answer to give them? Would you know what your ministry is? Would that interest you at all, or, or is the, do you want to be involved in ministry? 
are you involved in ministry? As a Christian, you really should be involved in ministry. You should be involved in serving in the church in some capacity. Uh, there's lots to do, um, and there's always more to do than there is people to do that stuff. So always get involved. So how does a Christian find their place in ministry? How do you figure out what you're meant to do? You know, I know what I'm meant to do. It's very clear what I'm meant to do. But for some, they maybe think, well, what am I meant to do? What should I do? Where should I spend and put my efforts in? Where should my hours go uh, when I'm not at work or whatever? You know, so we have to get to the place where we're serving the Lord and we're not just doing work because it's required service, but we're actually doing what we're doing because we're serving God. We're serving the Lord. Um, Jesus said, when you do things to the, the least of people, we do them to who? We do them to him. Now, if Jesus came in here next Sunday morning, let me tell you, we would be all serving, wouldn't we? What do you need? What can I do for you? You know, is there anything you need? You know, do you need tea? Mary Daly would get there quicker than most. But, uh, you, could, you, you could go and you, you would be asking, do you want a drink? Do you want this? Do you want that? You know, can I take your coat? Uh, I don't know whether Jesus wears a coat, but maybe he does. Um, but you, you would be wanting to serve him. But you know what? Jesus said, listen, no matter who walks through the door of your church, of, in your life, what you do to the least of them, you do to me. So if we would serve Jesus in that way with that effort, surely we can turn our minds around to serving him by serving others. So let's see what the Apostle Paul got to in his life. And I read this this morning, uh, this, uh, this illustration. Let me give it to you. It says, uh, a man went to the doctor, and after weeks of symptoms, the doctor examined him carefully and called the patient's wife into the office for a, a personal chat. And he says, your husband's suffering from a rare form of a, anemia. He says, without treatment, he's dead within a few days. But you know what? There's good news. He can be treated and with proper nutrition, uh, he will get well. He says, I need you to get up every day, every morning. I need you to fix your husband a hot breakfast, maybe pancakes, rashers and sausages and eggs and that kind of stuff. That will work. He'll need a uh, home-cooked lunch every day, an old-fashioned meat and potato dinner every evening. And it would be especially helpful if you could bake frequently for him, especially pavlovas. We like pavlovas. Cakes, pies, homemade bread, whatever like that uh, would be good. Uh, all those things will allow your husband to live. He says one more thing. His immune system is weak, so it's really important that you go home and you keep the house spotless at all times. He says to the wife, do you have any questions? The wife had none. Do you want me to break the news or shall I? Asked the doctor. The wife replied, I think I better break the news. So she walks out of the exam room and she goes to her husband and he's sensing the seriousness of the illness that he has. And he asks her, you know, is it bad news? Is it bad news? And she nods with tears in her eyes and she says, it's really bad. And he says, what's going to happen to me? And the wife sobs and blurts it out. She says, the doctor says you're going to die. Uh, so I hope that's not where our service is tonight, where we can't serve uh, those closest to us. Um, but this woman was going to let her husband die rather than, uh, than look after him. So I got my wife to read this this morning so she knew it was coming. Uh, I expect my fried breakfast in the morning, Claire. Thank you very much. Um, but uh, let's get into it. So 1 Corinthians 9, if everybody would be there, look in. Um, and the Apostle Paul gives kind of a summary 
uh, of what the Christian life is. And uh, he says, in, look at verse 19 with me. He says, For though I be free from all men, that's an interesting statement, though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. To the weak I am as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Okay, so the Apostle Paul here, you know, he wants, to, he wants to get to the place where he can reach people. He wants to serve people and in that become like them so he can reach them. And you know what? To find a place of service, it becomes, it starts with being free from all men, just like Paul said in verse 19. And in verse 19 he says, For though I be free from all men, I have yet uh, made servant of all, you know, he's, what, is it, what does it mean to be free from all men? You know what? The Apostle Paul uh, knew what it was like to have to walk away from, uh, I suppose, men's rules, what men thought of him, and, uh, and you know, what men might think of him if he made this drastic change in his life and became a Christian. I'm sure those things crossed his mind at times. You know, Paul's salvation was a, a powerful salvation. You know, he was made a free man at his salvation. Free from men, but free from sin. You know, but when you think about Paul as a man, who was he? He was a Roman. He was a Roman citizen. And you know what? Being a Roman citizen back then, I mean, that's, in a sense, it's like being Irish. The whole world wants to be Irish. You know, well, that's what we think anyway. They all come here. I have no idea why they come to Ireland, but they all seem to come to Ireland uh, when I was living in Scotland, you wouldn't believe how many Scottish people wanted to be Irish. Is John here? John's not here. He wants to be Irish, uh, Scottish John. Um, but listen, as a Roman citizen, you had the freedom uh, that people coveted. People wanted to be Roman. Uh, you had to be treated with respect if you were Roman. Uh, you know, even to the place where Nero had to give you certain uh, rights and responsibilities, you know, he was responsible to you. You were granted protection. Um, you could move anywhere you wanted in Rome. You were a Roman citizen. You know, but Paul didn't find it boastful to boast about being a Roman. You know, Paul was boasting here or, or lifting up the thought that he is free. He had been made free when he got saved from men and from sin. He was different now. You know, Paul knew that... Uh, we're not going to turn there, but in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 9 to 11, it talks about what Paul used to be and how he used to be. He used to be a slave to sin. And if you were a Christian tonight, you used to be a slave to sin, a slave to the world, a slave to the devil. Um, but we're a slave to a whole lot of other things. You know, we can become a slave to debt. We can borrow money and get in trouble with debt. You know, we can become a slave to uh, the way we look. Our self-image, we can become a slave to fears or bad habits. You know, there's many in the room tonight that come from a background of having bad habits. You know, we can become enslaved to all sorts of different things. You know what? And, you know, when you're a slave, you know, you find that you can't stop. You can't, uh, you can't do anything. You feel controlled. Uh, you feel manipulated at times by what you're doing. And uh, you're not free. Well, Paul, when he got saved, listen, he became free. Free from his sins. Free from what people might think of him if he became a Christian. You know, free to do what God would want them to do. Turn your Bibles over to keep your hand there, but turn back a, a couple of books to uh, John chapter 8. It's a real familiar passage 
uh, if you've been around RU at all, but uh, been in your Bible at all. John 8, we're going to start in 32, and we're going to read down to 36. Most of you will probably know by uh, memory. Um, but you know, if you're a Christian tonight, uh, you are free. And I hope you live like a free man or a free woman. I hope things don't keep you bound. I hope you're not a slave to men. I hope you're not a slave to what people think of you. Uh, because that is, is bondage. This is what it says in John 8, 30, uh, 8.32. It says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? So they're asking Jesus the question. They're saying, listen, we are free. What are you talking about? And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abided not in the, in the house forever, but the son abided forever. Verse 36, If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. You see, sometimes when you're a slave, you don't even realize you're a slave. When you're not free, sometimes you don't recognize you're not free. But as a Christian, you, you should be free. You should know you're free. You should walk in that freedom. You know, in, uh, in Romans 6, 6, it says, Henceforth, we should not be slaves to sin. I hope you're not a slave to sin tonight. You know what? Christ offers real freedom. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, uh, when we're talking about serving, and we're talking about being free... You know, the Christian life is not about having a, this big long list that you have to keep everything. Uh, that's what they done in the olden days. That's the way that uh, the Pharisees and the Jews used to live. But it's not like that. You know, Christianity is about a relationship that man can have with God. And in that relationship, there is true freedom, true liberty to be all that God made us to be. He frees us to serve him. You know, um, I suppose it's... it's uh, you know, it's like a friendship or, or even like a marriage. You know, you become committed. You could become enslaved in a marriage. Will, will we say that? I don't know. Uh, but in a sense, you do. You're bound to your husband or your wife. Um, but it, uh, unless you're in some mad arranged marriage or something like that, uh, you know, it's not like that. You are bound to each other and you're a slave to your husband or your wife. But it's, it's good being bound to your husband or your wife. It's good serving them. You know, um, the Apostle Paul got to the place where he knew he was free. Turn back over to 1 Corinthians with me. Um, he was free. He was different. And um, I want you to look down. He says, um, uh, we're back at verse 19. And it says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself Servant unto all. You know what? You know, the Apostle Paul, when he was serving, he was serving, but he was really flexible. And a servant will always be flexible. You know, they're not looking to be the boss. I'm the boss of a new hope, just so you know. Uh, but servants aren't looking to be the boss, all right? They are, um, they are looking to serve. And you and I need to be both. Uh, we need to be good servants. We need to serve. Paul says, I made myself servant unto all. The thing about being a servant is, it's not something that we would like to do naturally. It's not something, you know, that we, 
uh, you know, wake up one day and want to serve everybody. You know, you have to make yourself serve people. Now, it becomes a whole lot easier as you embrace servanthood, but really, you know, you have to make yourself servant. And he says, servant unto all. You know, what I find is it's easy to serve the people I like. It's not so easy to serve the people I don't like, you know. Um, But Paul says, I made myself servant unto all. You know, no one came around Paul and put chains on him uh, around his neck. Nobody done that. He wasn't whipped into obedience. You know, nobody had his hands bound and forced him to work as a slave. He says, I made myself a servant. I chose to be a servant. And that's a huge difference when somebody chooses to be a servant, chooses to be somebody that can be used of God. You know, Paul's life, he goes on, he gives a big long list of who he's trying to reach and what he's done uh, to reach them. He says, uh, to the Jew, I became a Jew. Uh, To the Pharisee, I kept the law. To the Gentile, uh, who was ignorant of God's laws, I became an equal, not a, uh, uh, you know, to the sinner, he wasn't uh, perfect and not showing off. Uh, To the weak, he became weak. You know, he was just uh, changed the way he was with the people he was with so he could reach them. If people feared eating meats that were uh, shouldn't be eaten, Paul wouldn't eat them. He would just take salad. I'm not taking salad. You know, you know me, I'm not doing salad. Uh, but Paul was willing to do anything just to reach the people he was around so they wouldn't get offended. So there was no barrier or nothing that he was doing that was getting in the way of him reaching them with the gospel. Paul wanted to reach all men. You know, when, uh, you know, how can we learn off Paul? Well, we can learn by thinking back about how Paul was, what his background was before he got saved. When he got saved, listen, you know, he was zealous, he was passionate, he wanted to win everybody, uh, he didn't want himself getting in the way, you know, he was an educated guy, and uh, he had to forget a lot of that stuff. The moment of Paul's salvation was, you know, was, was amazing, but Paul was an educated man. He was a powerful guy. I'm sure he was a motivator. I'm sure he had people following him around. And he was, had a good reputation amongst the people he ran with. And, uh, and you know, um, look what God done to him. Turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We just read a couple of verses there. It says, um, in verse 1, it says, um, he's talking about how God molded him to be a, a faithful speaker. Uh, he says, and, uh, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or, or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus, uh, Christ Jesus and him crucified. And I was with you in, what's the next word? Weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with exciting words of men's, uh, with man's wisdom, uh, but a demonstration of the spirit and of power. It says in verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of uh, men, but in the power of God. Let's turn back over to, to chapter 9. You know, Paul, when he was talking here, you know, he's given an account of, uh, to these people at Corinth, and he's saying, listen, when I came, I came, and I just was like one of you. You know, I didn't use fancy words. I didn't uh, try to boast. I didn't try to make myself something. I just preached the power of God unto you. I just preached about Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
he kept Jesus Christ the main focus of doing what he was doing. You know, he became a man that prayed. And he motivated other people by prayer. You know, God completely retrained the Apostle Paul um, in Arabia. You know, the Apostle Paul was brought up and he was a, uh, he was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He, was, he knew the law. He lived the law. Um, and he was passionate about uh, his religion, passionate about God and, uh, and serving God even at that point uh, in a wrong way. But he was passionate about what he'd done. When God took uh, the Apostle Paul to Arabia, he had to totally retrain him and everything that he knew. And I wonder when Paul was being retrained by, by Jesus Christ and being trained in Arabia and God was working in his life. I wonder at times where if he questioned, are you sure that's the way? Because I'm pretty sure this is the right way. And he was sure he was doing the right thing. But God retrained him. When he came back and he came to be a member of a local church, you know, he got involved in what was going on in the church. He became a servant there. He helped in the church. He done whatever was needed in the church. And he built his testimony in his local church and around the Christians in his community. Uh, because remember, nobody would have trusted the Apostle Paul when he first got saved. It took a long time for his testimony to be changed so that people could trust him. And it might be like that with you. You might come from a difficult background, and it might take you some time for people to actually see, yes, this is real in his life. Uh, it's not just a fad or a phase that he's going through, but uh, this is real, and, uh, and there's something in this. But it can take time. It took the Apostle Paul uh, a number of years to get to the place where people trusted him, and before he was sent out with church, uh, as a missionary, you know, um, you know, Paul, when he was trying to reach people, you know, if you were a Jew, he would reason with you and debate with you, and he would talk about the law. You know, if you were a barbarian or, or you know, you were somebody that didn't know anything about uh, the law, he would try love you and try teach you and train you. You know, what when he was around wise people, uh, he just spoke about the wisdom of God. You know, uh, he just. Uh, went around, and whoever he was with, he just tried to serve. Uh, he didn't take advantage of anybody. Uh, he, his life was just a life of compassion, wanting to meet people's needs and reach people. The book of Jude, we're not going to turn there, but the book of Jude says this in verse 22 and 23. says, And some have compassion, making a difference. Do you know having compassion in your life for others around you will make a difference on those people that you're around? In verse 23, it says, And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Listen, God can use each and every one of us here at LifeGate, um, but have a heart that wants to be used, that wants God to step in and use you. You know, um, Paul's life was a life of, um, in a sense, you know, um, a compromise. He was... Uh, he was a man who was passionate. I'm sure if you were around the Apostle Paul or I was around him, um, it would be a hard place to be. Because when you read about the Apostle Paul and all that he'd done with the one life that he had, uh, we read about a man who was constantly on the go. He was constantly doing stuff. You know, um, you think you, you work long hours. I'm sure the Apostle Paul was up early and he was in bed late and he was on the go all the time. But his whole heart was about reaching people. In 1 Corinthians 4, it says this, says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and as stewards of the mysteries of God. He says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 
a characteristic that you will find about the Apostle Paul is when he got saved, he became a faithful servant of God. You know what? There were many, many times in his life where it would have been easy to quit and walk away. Many times. Can you imagine questioning your calling after you were whipped, after you were shipwrecked, after you were beaten many times, after you were ridiculed walking out of uh, places, after people spat on you and, you know, uh, treated you wrong? It would be so easy to walk away, but he doesn't. He stays faithful. So we need to stay faithful in, in this uh, attitude of being a servant and, and, uh, and trying to reach people. You know, uh, when you're trying to reach people, you know, whatever you do, don't, you don't have to be like people to reach them. So you don't have to, in a sense, do what they do. You know, Paul says, you know, he, was, he became like them. In a sense, he got to the place in his own head where he was able to relate to them in some way. Um, but it, it doesn't mean if you want to reach young people, you have to start listening to um, pop music or whatever. You know, you don't have to get all uh, groovy with, with the young people. You know, you don't have whatever, whatever it is. And listen, I went to visit a church. And uh, Claire will tell you this. We went in and um, I walked into the pastor's desk and, you know, I came to the preaching time and uh, I had me I dressed pretty much the same as I am now. And he says, uh, oh, listen, I don't, I don't wear a, a toy. And I'm like, okay. And I think I'll leave mine on. He says, I don't wear my jacket when I preach either. And I'm like, uh, pastor says I better wear a jacket. I think I'll keep my jacket on. And, uh, and then he says, uh, you know what, uh, I don't use a pulpit. And I'm like, well, what do you put your notes on? And you know what he said next? I don't use notes. <laughs> All right. So it was a funny, a funny Baptist church that I was in. Uh, but anyway, I preached and done what God would have me to do. And, uh, and then I went out and I'm talking to the pastor at his desk. And I see all these heavy, heavy rock CDs. And I say to him, did you confiscate them off one of the kids? Because I'm sure that's what happened. And he says, no, they're mine. He says, I listen to all the latest stuff so we can learn what the kids are all about and what they're into. And, I, and he gave me a book then. <laughs> he must have thought I preached too long. But he gave me a book. And uh, it says, don't preach more than 20 minutes or everybody switches off. And um, I was about to send the book back to him. But pastor advised me it would be best if I just didn't say anything and just threw the book away. But uh, I had an intention of writing the guy a letter and sending him his book back. Uh, they never took us on, funny enough. But uh, we are very different. But that man was trying to be like those kids in his area. That's not what you need to do. Okay. You don't need to go start rapping with the, with the teenagers down the, down the hood, okay? You don't need to do that to reach them, all right? Um, you need to be a faithful servant. You don't need to go to the pubs to try win drinkers. You know, you don't have to, you know, do all those things. You don't have to start stealing uh, to win a thief, okay? Get yourself locked up to win some prisoners. Uh, that's not a good idea. Um, what did Jesus do? Turn to Mark chapter 2. Turn to Mark chapter 2. Because he, Jesus is the ultimate example of what we should do, how we should do it, how we should view the world, and how we should treat people. And this is what he done. And he was blasted for it on many levels. People accused him of being in sin. People accused him of being up to all sorts of stuff because of the way he uh, lived his life. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 2, look at verse 15 and 16. It says, and it came to pass that uh, as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many uh, publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus um, and his disciples. For there were many 
and they followed him. And verse 16 says, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him meet with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? You know, what is Jesus doing, eating and drinking with sinners? You know what, is he out of his mind, or is he just up to no good? Is he like them? I know Jesus wasn't like them. He wasn't a sinner. He wasn't a publican and ripping people off. You know, he, he wasn't involved in any wrongdoing. But he would go and he would go and have a meal with people that were all the time trying to reach them. All the time serving and trying to reach them. That's the way he lived his life. He lived his life as a servant. And he tried to reach all those around him. And he was misunderstood on many occasions because sometimes when man looks at somebody serving and somebody going out of their way to help somebody else, you know what they think? He must have another agenda. You know, I always tell the story when I got to the Haven and uh, I saw that the Haven was on a farm and uh, then I met Davy Black. Uh, the first week, month maybe I was there, I thought Davy Black was on the rip. I thought that this farmer uh, had loads of addicts on his land so that he could have us working on the farm for free. And that was genuine. I sat there and I thought about these things, and he'd be speaking in chapel and stuff like that, and I'd be like, yeah, you're just ripping all of us off. You're just, you know, you're bang at it. Never did I think for a minute that he was serving God, having loads of addicts on his farm, trying to love them and reach them for Jesus Christ so they could be helped, so that their families could be better, so that they could be better, so they could get saved. It, at that time, it just didn't cross my mind. But I have no doubts. No doubts now. The man was just uh, absolutely wonderful. Never had an addict in his family, yet went and has spent the rest of his life trying to reach the addicted for Jesus Christ. You know what? Sometimes people won't understand what you're doing. Sometimes people won't agree with what you're doing. But make sure you're trying to reach people. Make sure you're trying to serve and reach people. You know, what's the battle that we have? Well, the battle is the me force problem. You know, our culture conditions us, it conditions your mind so that you're number one. In a sense, our lives are like films and, you know, you're the, the main star in the film. I'm the main star in my film, okay? Uh, I am an action hero uh, in my film, in my head, okay? And, you know, you play that starring role in your film. And everyone else in your life is really their support cast. They're just there to serve you. And, uh, you know, we can often be like that. And it's the me force problem. And it's as old as the human heart, as old as Adam and Eve had that problem. That's why they disobeyed God. They wanted to live according to their own terms, not God's terms. When Jesus and his disciples were traveling to Capernaum, the disciples disagreed over who was going to be the greatest, who was going to sit at his right hand and all that kind of stuff. And they acted like children. You know, they wanted to be in higher places than the rest. Because there's something in us, that me-force problem, that wants us to be a cut above the rest of the people around us. The me-force mentality supposes that all life is engineered somehow to benefit me. And we can't conceive the master's need that we are not as important as that. That he needs us to serve him in other areas. And it's, you know, when you live a life to serve yourself and your own needs, you miss out on what the Christian life is all about. You know, um... God wants to save you, but he doesn't just want to save you for heaven. He wants to save you for here right now because he has a life that he can use. And sometimes we think God couldn't use us, but God can use anybody.
He is God. Look back at your sheet with, or your, your verse with me in 1 Corinthians 9. Keep your finger there. 1 Corinthians 9. And we look at verse 22. He says, To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. And then he says, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Everything about what Paul was doing was about reaching people. That's why he got out of bed in the morning. That's why he wanted to serve. That's why he was willing to keep going, even though times got hard. Uh, and, and times for the Apostle Paul got harder than any of us have ever experienced. And he kept going. He kept serving. He kept going to the next place, to the next person. You know what? He wanted to gain the more. He says that I might gain the Jews, uh, that I might gain them that are under the law, that I might gain them that are without the law, that I might gain the weak, that I might gain by all means some. And he's done all this for the gospel's sake. He wanted to reach people. Uh, why had he got such a purpose and focus? Because he knew what real salvation was. He knew what it was like when he got saved and how bad he was. And uh, when the Apostle Paul talks about himself, he talks about himself as being the chief of sinners. He knows what God saved him from. You know what? Um, it's important that we try to reach those around us, that we uh, do whatever we can to reach them. Um, you know, eternity is a long time. And, uh, and they are going to go, and they are going to stand before God, and if they have not been saved, they will stand and have to answer for their own sin. And we need to go and reach them. We need to serve them. We need to do whatever we can to gain the people around us. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not our responsibility to save them. It's our responsibility to tell them. And it's God's responsibility to draw them. Listen, God wants to use our lives. He wants to use uh, the lives that he has given us. And he can use your life. You know, we need to stay faithful to the end. And we're just about done. Look at verse 24 will you, uh, in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, uh, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. He's, uh, and he's giving you an illustration here. He says, Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do to obtain that uh, corrupt, uh, a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, uh, so fight I, not as one that beats the air. Uh, but I kept under my body, I bring in, it into subjection, least that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So what does he tell us there? Listen, he knows it's not easy. He knows that he needs to keep in a right place. He has a single focus. There are things in Paul's life where he puts aside because he needs to be a faithful servant. There are things in his life that he has had to stop doing so he can serve God. There are places and people that he can't be with anymore so that he can serve God. You know, uh, he spends the rest of his life trying to win that prize that crown, uh, that place with God. And he, is, uh, he has sacrificed a lot to be that man. Just like an athlete sacrifices to be the athlete to win that race. Paul says, listen, you can't be a quitter. You've got to finish. You've got to stay faithful. Uh, You've got to bring yourself into subjection. You've got to keep yourself under control. 
Uh, and you know what, Paul done well. Um, you know, if you had asked uh, the Christians in the early book of Acts, you know, what they thought of the Apostle Paul, I mean, you would have heard horrific stories about what he'd been involved in. But yet a real encounter with God totally changed uh, his life. And it can do the same for us. You know what? If you're not saved, you have to get saved. That's where you're never going to serve people if you don't get saved first. So you've got to get saved first. That's the main thing. Um, then make yourself a servant. Isn't that what Paul said? He had to make himself a servant. You know, other people, you know, um, will gladly uh, not do stuff around the place and they will leave it to others. You have to force yourself to do stuff. You have to force yourself to be here. You have to force yourself. Um, like, see on a Sunday night, here's a, here's a great trick for you. See on a Sunday night, pastor always asks, can I have how many people to help clean? He always says two. I think he should say more, actually, because there does be more than two of us here. Um, and listen, sometimes people are chatting on the stuff they need to, to say and do, and I get that, and it's not always uh, a good thing. But that is just a simple place where you could just uh, sacrifice 15 minutes and go and do it. You know, uh, there's lots of stuff. There is an absolute mountain of stuff. Or you on a Friday night. Uh, you know what, if you want to serve, go there. If you want to get busy, New Hope is always looking for people to get involved um, and serve up there. Um, you know, uh, you say, well, you have lots of people up there. Uh, we need more people up there. Not right, Alan? For sleepovers. Not right, Alan? <laughs> um, so listen, you know, we could always do more help up there. We never have enough. You know, we have to look after, you know, 16 bold boys up there. And uh, trouble, trouble they are. Isn't that right, guys? Um, you know, so, I mean, we always need help. To, Anya needs help. We are doing a women's clothes sale to raise money for New Hope over the next three days. And this wasn't a strategic message or anything like that, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, Anya definitely needs help. You know, um, let me tell you, if you can do anything, um, do it. If you have any time, serve God with it. Don't serve because Anya might make you feel guilty with a clipboard at the back of the room or that I make you feel guilty by standing here. Um, whatever you do, do it for God. Say, God, you know what? I'm going to give you an hour today. I'm going to do whatever, whatever I can to serve you. Uh, and you know what? It's a wonderful way of reaching people. It will make such a difference in what you do. Sunday school could use people. I'm sure junior church could use people. I sure crash could use people. I mean, I know if you were to ask Kirsten about crash. All right, Kirsten. Hard to see crash as being serving. Let me tell you, but it is. Listen, if mothers have no place to put their babies, it's very hard for them to keep coming out to church. And you know, sometimes the numbers get low in crash and you think, well, what's the point? But there is a point. Because it will be that time when you don't have it on that you need it. So let me encourage you. I know I've needed it a lot with all the, all the kids we have. So, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is, listen, I don't want to name stuff because then you, you, you think, well, that's it. It's not a list. It's an attitude. Serving is an attitude. You do it because it needs to be done. You do it because it will help somebody else if you do it. You will do it because it will help you to build a relationship with somebody that maybe needs you so that you can reach them for Jesus Christ. You know, there's lots of different ministries. 
meeting people at the front door. I don't believe we have enough people meeting people at the front door. Just been that uh, friendly welcoming face uh, when they come in. Uh, you know, crash discipleship. Uh, there's all sorts of the ladies' ministry. Uh, we, don't, we don't have anybody that, you know, has a car that could say, you know what, if somebody needs picked up for church, I'll be here every Sunday morning at a half nine and I'm willing to go and pick people up for church that need a lift to church. You know what, we used to do stuff like that. See, and are you on a Friday night? We used to do that. We have stopped doing a lot of stuff that we used to do. And you know what, when we used to do it, it was hard work. But we got more people out, didn't we? You know what? We can do more. I believe we can do more. You know, maybe it's about, you know, uh, you, you know, being a really good encourager, bouncing around the church on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and seeing who you can encourage, seeing who you can meet up with, seeing who who you can help. You know, uh, whatever it takes, just serving in the church. And, And that's where it is. So we'll finish with this. A servant attitude. You know, People have strange ideas. They can be unreasonable and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of, being, of having a selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you, if you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honest and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest man with the biggest ideas can be cut down by the smallest man with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs, but follow the top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend your years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help, but may attack you even after you've helped them. Help them anyway. Give the world the best you have even if you get kicked and knocked down at times, give the world your best anyway. You know what? Whatever you do, whether you, you serve here in the church, where you serve somewhere else, or you're involved in stuff, just helping people in the community, whatever it might be, go that extra mile for Jesus. And last verse, Joshua said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But he says, for, As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. You know what? There's a lot of serving that needs done. There's a lot of people to reach, a lot of stuff to be done. And I hope that we can be involved in it. And sometimes we've got to look at what we're doing and maybe reassess if what we're doing is effective and maybe we need to change some stuff or do some stuff different. Uh, you know what? We can all be involved in doing something more, I believe. Um, so again, you know, when pastors back, maybe offer... Uh, if you can, some time or, you know, uh, whatever it is that you can be a help to, to the church here, the pastor or w- whatever, New Hope or Anya or whatever that's going on. Uh, there's always stuff that's going on and it's always people that, are the, uh, that we're needing in all areas of the church. And you know what? As a, as a Christian, it's important that we serve anyway. It's essential that we serve. So let's do all that we can to be servants of God. Let us pray. Uh, Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for the Apostle Paul's um, life. I thank you for the Apostle Paul's heart for serving people, uh, for trying to reach people. May we get some of that fire that he had. Lord, may his life have an impact on us, uh, that we would live that kind of life where we sacrifice, that we 
uh, will hold what we might do for ourselves for the, uh, the goal of reaching others. And Lord, we ask, O oh God, that you would lead each one, uh, that you would give each one a heart for ministry here at LifeGate, uh, ministry serving you uh, out of a servant's heart uh, because of our love for you. And Lord, we pray, O oh God, that you would grow our church, uh, that you would uh, deepen the, uh, the spiritual walks of the, the people that are here. And Lord, that you would be uh, glorified in the way we do church here, and Lord, the way we live, and by the way we reach out to our community. In Christ's name, amen.